So Max, your uh, your coaching business is is polite coaching, which is honestly like one of the you know it's the nicest coaching names that I can think of. There's all sorts of I've got one. Yeah, everyone everyone has a coaching business these days, but polite coaching is is my favorite name for a coaching business. Why why polite coaching? So yeah, it's uh, a pretty uh, simple. It's uh, my last name is Höflich, and uh, Höflich is just a simple translation that it means polite. So yeah. and my English <laughs> English teacher uh, a, a few years uh, a few. Uh, 10 years or more ago used to call me mr polite and that's uh, <laughs> that's one thing that that uh, still remains hi everyone i'm andrew and i'm michael and this is the endurance innovation podcast Hey everyone, and welcome back to Endurance Innovation. And uh, the kind of the genesis for the show that we're going to have for you today is uh, is something that, uh, and I, certainly as uh, as an endurance coach, I get asked a lot about. And uh, you know, I, I felt like we had covered this on the show, uh, but going through the episodes that we've done in the recent uh, in the recent past, it turns out that we really haven't. And uh, maybe I'm uh, conflating our show with other shows that I listen to. But uh, we're well, well, we're, we are well overdue to do a show on uh, the intensity of uh, endurance training, and uh, specifically, um, you know, how much do you want to train at which intensities, and and how you think about all of that, and uh, uh, a conversation around how we even determine those intensities. So, to that end, I uh, I reached out to uh, my friend and uh, past guest uh, Bjorn Kafka of Aerotune. And he said, yes, I'll be happy to talk to you about this uh, this topic. But I think uh, an even better person to have this conversation with is uh, Maximilian Hoflich of uh, Polite Coaching, who is joining us today. And um, Maximilian's got a Master of Science in uh, Sports Science. He is uh, currently an endurance coach specializing in cycling and triathlon. And he's also head of performance at uh, Lance Medicum. And um, one of their... Uh, one of their clients is uh, Team Bora, and uh, um, Maximilian works with Team Bora once a year in uh, in performing a performance diagnostic before they they head into their training. So, uh, with those accolades to his name, I say, Maximilian, thank you very much for joining us on Endurance Innovation. Yeah, thanks, Michael, uh, for the welcome. Thanks, uh, thanks for the innovation. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation and I hope I can keep up with Bjorn's uh, expectations and stuff like <laughs> this. But yeah, I'm pretty honored and um, let's go. Let's do it. Okay, awesome. So uh, I only named a couple of things um, in your resume. So uh, why don't you tell me and the listeners uh, how you got to be where you are and uh, why it is that you're, you know, you're a sports scientist and a coach. Yeah, of course. Um, so my background is in cycling for myself. I started uh, with uh, mountain biking when I was, I think, 11 or 12 years as a, on a competitive level. So and I get in this like kind of uh, uh, team things and uh, really performance orientated uh, cycling. 
but I have no uh, pro career behind me. So I was always interested in, in many things. Uh, so yeah, and maybe I'm not that talented. My engine is maybe not big enough to, to get there <laughs> on a professional level, but uh, cycling and uh, yeah, endurance sports and comp competitive sports. And yeah, it's like a, like a red line in, in the life. So it always comes back to me. So, and I, I've tried to, to uh, study something really, uh, some gets into, into real work and um, started with, with, uh, with an engineer studying. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, for me, it becomes clear that I have, I had just the only one chance that I have to do something that I really into it with my heart, with all the kind of, of passion I got for my, for the sports. So, and then I, I, uh, yeah, I got into sports scientists. So, and then that's the, that's the reason then I got into coaching as well. So, yeah. And that's, yeah, the past, uh, the, the, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a natural fit. I, uh, I kind of went the other way. I, I started, you know, I, I, I also am an engineer as, uh, as you know, we've talked about Maximilian and, uh, uh, I started coaching and then I realized, wow, I don't know anything. I gotta, I gotta start brushing up on the, on the sports side. So <laughs> yeah. you went about it the more, I think the more reasonable way, but, um, so yeah, thanks for the introduction and thanks again for being on the show. Uh, let's, uh, lay out the, what we have for the folks today. And, uh, I really want to start with the basics because like I said, it's, it has been a little while since, um, at least on our show, we've talked about, um, uh, training intensity and, uh, you know, we'll start at we'll start at the very basic level. So uh, here's here's how that's going to work. You know, when you're programming, um, when you're programming training for yourself or for somebody that you're working with, really, there's what there's like three levers pretty much that we can work with within a sport. We can say how often you're going to train, frequency, how long you're going to train for, duration, and then how hard you're going to train. And that you know that's the intensity piece. And this intensity lever, I think, is probably the most complicated to get right. Um, and so. The uh, the question, uh, the first question that I have for you, some, the first topic of conversation for us, Maximilian, will be um, really what's the point? Like, why do we care about uh, even measuring intensity or, or paying attention to how hard we train? So let's start at the at the very basics and build from there. Um, so, yeah, first of all, there's like, uh, are you healthy and are you able to to perform on, on a regular base and on a high intensity mm. base? So that's uh, just like a, like a checkup. So maybe that's a, a good reason, especially for, for people who get into it really late. So they never had a checkup and they never have been training 10 or 12 or 20 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And maybe they, they never had uh, reached their, their maximal heart rate and something like that. So it's like, maybe that's the, the the real base and then we get like um if you if you train on the frequent level that's maybe the 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 best thing or my my first recommendation i i, I tell everybody it's it's not like a, like a diet you you do it for two or three weeks and then you think oh I don't need this. I can't <laughs> handle this. So and then quit and then come back or especially into running. So don't start yes. running maybe 10K and then ended up with sore legs and, and laying on the couch for five days and then, oh, fuck, I need to go run again. Yeah. And then it's like also or so it's not frequent enough. So start yeah, pretty low. And that's maybe one of the first things I always started with a new athlete that I 
just try to get a, a pretty regular base on their time schedule. So I want them to train uh, four or five times a week. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter uh, if it's just uh, 20 or 30 minutes, maybe something like this, early morning setting or something just like an activation, not even training as well. But then we, we really have a, a base uh, to work with. And then we can get into how much we do of this, how much intensity we need it. And which is the, the question that results in maybe uh, which is the right intensity. So mm -hmm. that's maybe the, the thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's the question that I, I want to spend some time talking about, because I think I feel like the listeners uh, that, that uh, you know, that tune in for to our, our podcast, at least based on the feedback that I've had and the questions that I've had are probably on the more savvy side. So they're not pure beginners. Um, they've been training for for quite some time. So let's say you're, you know, you're looking at a uh, uh, high achieving, you know, age grouper or, um, or even like, a you know, a pro athlete, although these these folks probably have some idea of why they're training at specific intensities. Let's talk about why you'd want to spend, you know, time at, you know, the easy stuff, the somewhat intermediate yeah. stuff. And then at this point, it also makes maybe sense to define how you think about the the, the different intensities that are yeah, available yeah. to us. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's that's the totally the way to go that that at a certain fitness level or at a certain level of training. So you need to go uh, specific, you need to address some metabolic response, you need to, uh, it's not enough to to train, whatever. So you want to be specific to have a, a the right trigger for adaptations. And so then we may go a little bit or need to go a little bit through the intensities to, to, to have like a little bit of a background information. The thing is, um, the, sometimes I say the, the body or the, the adaptation is quite, uh, stupid. So it just <laughs> regulates. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, you trigger that what you, what you, what you, um, what you um, what you do in training, so you mm -hmm. and the and the body always responses to that. So the body cannot not respond. So if you just sit on the couch, so this is the impact you give him, and mm -hmm. you yeah, will that's have the stimulus. yeah, that's the stimulus. That's the right word, right? So and and um, in training intensity is like when you when you get in really high intensity, we have a totally different metabolism than especially on the on the lower side or in the mid-range so when mm -hmm. we when we really have a, like a basic look on it i uh, first start with uh, three uh, to to separate three ranges of training intensity okay it's the 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 classic thing the low intensity so no stress at all you can talk you have a conversation while running or while um, uh, being on the bike or something like that but it's pretty obviously that most of the people struggle to to get the right intensity for this low intensity because um, it feels super easy. And I think it's like the most of the people when they are training and they, they, they want to train, they have like an expectation and they want to feel something and they want to <laughs> they want to feel that it feels a little bit harder or a little yep. bit or it's good. But um, well, they feel the effort, but it's um, it's okay. It's handlebar. It's like uh, the the comfort zone, and often this comfort zone 
is not did not match with the with the real physiology of low intensity training. So they are shifting to the mid range. Okay. So and, define the mid range for us. Yeah. What does that feel like? So when we when we talk to this, we we need to go a little bit deeper. So we um, maybe we start when you when we start exercising we we turn over energy we convert energy from from chemical energy like fat or carbohydrates mm -hmm. into um physics so we want to have like a, a pace or power output on the bike so we transforming this kind of energy and when we really start just walking around we use um, the slow twitch muscle fibers. This is the, the basic. They are um, really good for endurance and give the, they are the, the ones who is the fatigue um, slowest. So that's mm -hmm. the reason that's the slow twitch. But um, they can just um, have, produce a certain amount of energy. So when we get higher, we in intensity terms we need um we first we, we rec recruit them uh, just a little then we recruit maybe the most of them mm -hmm. and then the the body even needs to shift like in the second gear or something and recruit more of the fast with drivers so and we want to separate um ft2a that's the the thing in the middle so and when this kind of um first dip into the twos in, in times of fiber types when this kind of uh when we are ha reach a level of of energy demands that are not matches with the with the flux rate of the slow twitch fibers and we need to shift in the second gear and need to tip in the two a fibers that's the uh, the turning point from low to mid intensity. Ah, uh, okay, interesting. So, I've never heard it defined that way as as uh, fiber type usage. I know I've heard other definitions, which I'm confident that we'll get into a little bit later yeah, on. But yeah. uh, mm -hmm. that's that's a really interesting perspective. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah and the, the, I think I I know what what do you mean? That's like the 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 two the the, the fast switch fibers are uh, working much more um, anaerobic than aerobic. So that's the, the main, yeah, not the main difference, but that's is always happens when, mm -hmm. when we switch from, from the slow twitch to the fast twitch fibers, it means that we produce or need uh, use more anaerobic energy. So yeah, but the, but the two um, A's are um, still working a bit of, aerobic and also using the anaerobic pathway we mm -hmm. can we can go into this a little bit later so sure. but 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 this is like a mixed sort of of metabolism so um and then when it comes even harder we 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 use um the the third type of muscle fibers it comes to the two x fibers that are really for maximum intensity mm -hmm. so this is the when we when we do some some sprinting or something like that. So we can use the recruitment of muscle fibers as a as a definition of training intensities. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah, that I've I've never heard it described that way. And and I know I don't know very much about, you know, muscle fiber typology, only what I've learned from podcasts and from talking to, to smart people. But my understanding is that even if you're, you know, even if you're in the middle zone or in the in the third zone, the you know, the the uh, the severe domain above that uh in that third zone, you're still using the slow twitch muscle fibers and yeah, the, and the the, the 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 fast twitch taipeis and the type yeah. Yeah, it's just like they, they stack anything. on top of each other. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's that's yeah. right. That's the reason because why you you you're reaching VO two max uh, so late in a in a ramp test or something like that. So mm. the 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 slow twitch muscle fibers are also called the red fibers because they are so rich uh, in in blood cells. So there are a lot of um, um, yeah, a lot of they get a lot of oxygen through the blood, and there is the the highest amount of mitochondria in the in the slow twitch fibers. In the two A's, there's a little bit less mitochondria, but there still are some. Mm -hmm. And then in the in the two uh, X fibers, these are the the truly anaerobic fibers. They are so uh, yeah. Not none, but pretty less, uh, pretty um, um, low um, amount of, of mitochondria. And they are mainly working anaerobic. Yeah. And since we're, we're going down this rabbit hole of, of muscle fiber types, I'm going to ask you this question that I've, uh, this has been my understanding, is that for fairly well-trained or very well-trained endurance athletes, so let's say, let's define that. So we're not talking about like track sprinting or pool sprints. We're talking about folks who are doing, you know, let's say 5K uh, road races and up, right? That's sort of my like, where I draw the line. If you're, you know, 15 minutes and longer, let's say, especially if, and especially if you're going into obviously like marathon distance or any, any of the triathlon events or any of the, you know, the longer cycling events. Mm -hmm. um, my understanding is though that population typically has very little type 2X. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a little bit of, of um, uh, in your genes. So we are born with a little bit of like uh, how much of, of what do you have? But it's uh, true that you can train much better in this direction. You can convert the two A's mm, into, yes. in the, into the slow twitch, but you to create the two X fibers is pretty hard. So you can try with, with a really high intensity um, training, not, not probably not on the bike. You have to go into the gym and into stuff gym. like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So do really one or two or up to, to three max rep uh, repetition uh, sets with the, with the squats or something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but it's, it's, this is exactly what you're doing when you start training. So we are building up the capacity of the of the aerobic system. And aerobic system um, in endurance um, sports is the the main driver and the the most um, successful um, yeah energy production system we have because right. um, the the system the, that we need to develop the most in order to be successful as endurance yeah, athletes. And, yeah, and 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 part times of this development is. Not only we building more um, blood uh, blood cells or um, the, the 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 capillars are getting more and better. Mm -hmm. So, but also we are building more mitochondria to have a better mit uh, mitochondria function, and mm -hmm. also turning two A fibers into the slow twitch fibers. So, hmm. yeah, that's okay. a, that's something what happened. 
Okay, so Maximilian, you described the uh, the you know what's I guess traditionally known as the as the three zone model of of intensity, uh, where you have you know the let's say the easy, the intermediate, and the and the yeah. hard. So um, if if I'm training for and let's I guess you know let's let's pick a race. Let's say if I, I'm training for something long like a marathon or a half Ironman or even a full distance Ironman. Um, what is, what is, if I know where my, you know, what sort of intensity ranges, if I'm measuring in power or pace or whatever, you know, the easy, the intermediate and the hard are, um, why, why do I want to know that? Uh, and what does it tell me and how does it inform my training? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, where we come back to the specific part. So you, you want to address, um, different, uh, situation in metabolism. So mm -hmm. when you when you when a lot of guys are talking about fat max training or this low intensity training, for example, mm -hmm. so what kind of of intensity you want in this kind of training? Do you want it so easy that you are just using a few slow twitch fibers? No, that's not the the specific trigger you want to have. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the recovery range where you just move some of them. So and then when we increase the intensity. You, uh, you recruit more of the slow twitch fibers and the, um, the intensity goes up. And also we can translate or we can um, yeah, call the intensity that goes up is like the demand of oxygen goes up. And that's, ex that's exactly what's going on when we increase um, in the beginning. The, you, you, um, you get uh, more oxygen through the lungs, in the blood, uh, uh, in the in the muscle cells, and you are just using more oxygen. You're working um, with more slow twitch fibers, and the fat oxidation increases. The um, yeah, the aerobic system um, gets um, recruited to it, its uh, fullest. Where we see mm -hmm. so, and okay. that's maybe the things where we reach fat max or we reach the 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 classic when we when we say recovery zone one then we come to the to the part where we not use only a few slow twitch fibers where we crude the remote then we go in this magic zone two where the <laughs> where the where the biggest uh, trigger or one of the biggest trigger for aerobic uh, capacity is where because we are using all or nearly all the slow twitch fibers with mm -hmm. the intensity that are They are working really well, but uh, they are not. Yeah, the, the 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 flux rate or the demand of energy is not that high that we need to tip in the two A's. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's the magic zone two thing. So and when when we when we can, um, yeah, when we have a, like a measurement for where this intensity is, so then we can do the specific and really good endurance training. Okay, so let's let's go there. So this was uh, the way that I initially envisioned this conversation. We talk about the training first, and we talk about the testing later. But now that I, now that we're in it, now that we're having this chat, um, let's uh, let's go. Let's let's do a step at a time. So we've you, you know you've defined kind of the easy zone, and I think people intrinsically, but uh, you know you have a good point. Um, mature athletes, let's say, and I don't mean necessarily old people. I mean people who've been training for a while. They they understand what easy is. Yeah. easy is. So recovery should be super, super easy. And uh, that's something that's important to understand. So this magic zone two uh, intensity, let's talk a little bit about this and how you would uh, define the upper bound. Because something that you said earlier, I think is, is spot on is that 
people, especially newer athletes, they 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 do have and as you know, in my coaching capacity, I've experienced this too, yeah. where folks believe if they're not, you know, sometimes wrecked after a workout, they didn't do anything. They didn't yeah. accomplish they didn't accomplish a workout. It doesn't feel like a workout. So um establishing this upper bound on um on zone two is super important so let's talk about uh how we arrive there what are your preferred uh protocols and uh let's let's examine them yeah so i think there are a few ways to get there so um for me as like uh, uh working in a lab it's like we we i want to measure it i just <laughs> want to have like a real look in metabolism and i want to see what is happening and you and you can measure it so um you can see the oxygen uptake you can see this is the 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 boundary of the first ventilatoric threshold mm-hmm. so when when we tip into the two a's um we're working more uh, get a, a bigger amount of anaerobic energy in our mixed metabolism and therefore there are some uh, some some things that happen in metabolism one of the things is like we uh, we have a, a little bit more of buffering we have a little bit more of lactate coming into the system mm-hmm. and we can measure lactate and we can measure the the response of the body uh, to the to the lactate or to the to the h plus ion mm-hmm. to, 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 yep. to the buffering. And we can see that with the, with the oxygen mass or with the, in the, in the, in the spiro ergometry, or we can see it in the, yeah, the in metabolic the levels. Yeah. Metabolic card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, there you're seeing like an uptake in, in CO2. Is that what you would see through a med card? Yeah. That's called excess CO2. It's not ah, okay. the, 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 the CO2, uh, in an absolute way because the, the metabolism increases and also a little bit of, of there gets a little bit CO2 in, 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 in the metabolism, but mm-hmm. we we want to measure the excess CO2 that comes from the from the buffering, and uh, we, I see. we and, and we see the where the um, where the um, when when we use or when we get a little bit of lactate in the system, um, sometimes it's not even a problem. You can use it right direct in 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 other muscle cells, or you can. But when it comes to to the blood, you you see like an excess CO2 coming up. So okay, so let's leave the metabolic card alone. And the reason I want to do that is because if you're if you're you know if you're a listener to this podcast and you're going to a uh, sport performance lab or a university, then you know hopefully go to a reputable one. Uh, and the the individuals who are conducting the test hopefully are doing a good enough job of it, and they can they can. Uh, explain the the results to you so let's let's put aside the metabolic card and focus on uh lactate testing which is becoming increasingly more accessible to you know uh, certainly coaches but also very keen uh, <laughs> uh recreational and professional athletes um and then any kind of uh let's say power based only or, or pace based only test so let's yeah. talk about those yeah um that's a sexy uh, exactly the point where we can see the first lactate rise so we have to a little bit define because there are especially in in german and uh, in 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 america they are a little bit different definition of what is first lactate rise okay. so some of them so like uh, skiba and also i think uh, san milan said mm-hmm. that we have a like a, a base value where when we measure lactate in, while resting that's never zero so we have always a bit of anaerobic uh, energy in our in our system mm-hmm. because uh, that's the, the the 
the, the cool thing or the magic thing on lactators that it comes 100% out of the anaerobic metabolism. So there's no other pathway that produces lactate. So mm. whenever we, we measure lactate, we can be sure that it comes from this kind of, of metabolism. So the, the thing is, when lactate gets produced, there are, it can go uh, two ways. So first, um, if there's enough aerobic capacity, it can be shuttled in the slow twitch fibers and is not a waste product because there it, gather, um, it comes to uh, um, enters the mitochondria as a fuel and gets like, uh, like carbohydrates or like fatty acid gets uh, into, the, into the energy production. Um, this, this is one pathway that happens. And this is something the, the real good athletes are so good in. Um, and we see no accumulation of lactate in blood because mm. this is the second pathway it can go. I think that's the critical point that you, that it's the accumulation of lactate in blood that, that, yeah, this, and that, exactly. that we're looking at here. And that's just what we, when we are looking for the first lactate rise. So a little bit more conservative um, definition of first lactate rise is uh, the minimum lactate we measure when we do like a really step test starting really low, um, maybe 100 watt or 120 watts, so super mm -hmm. low. Um, and then we start increasing the intensity each minimum is three minutes to see the lactate level as a response of intensity. Um, that's the, um, the, the thing you have to always keep in mind when you do like just metabolic car testing, you can ramp it up pretty easy, super Quite fast, yeah. and you, you reach VO2 max pretty good. That's the, 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 the good thing. Mm -hmm. um, when you measure lactate, you always need or you always have to calculate there's a little bit of a delay. So it gets produced in the in the in the in the cytosol in the and um to ACE or to to X fibers. And when we want to measure it, we measure it in the in the fingertip or in the ear. Um, so that's the yeah. So that's the that's the point where we where we can measure it. Um, in a lab or even by ourselves with a hand device or something. But mm -hmm. there's like a delay. So we need minimum of three minutes step on a consistent intensity to have an accurate value which matches our intensity in, 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 a, uh, in metabolism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard different coaches cite different different uh, durations, but yeah, I think most most folks are kind of in that, you know, three yeah. to five is a minimum. I know yeah, I've heard of people course. doing you like can... 10, 10 minute yeah. steps if they really want to get really really yeah. precise, which I don't always follow. But yeah, uh... but that's that's a good point because testing protocols are so crucial when mm -hmm. we when we have like uh, the. Um, what is the, the question we have? And we choose the, the protocol matches our question. Because yes. when, we, when, to, when we really want to just like a sub-maximum lactate test or something in, in, as a baseline for winter training or for a volume block in camp, we can go with, with, uh, with 10 minute steps or the Norway, Norwegian guys do it with like eight minute steps or even mm -hmm. Uh, start with four minutes and then when it comes to a crucial point they they switch it to eight minutes something mm -hmm. like that um, and you can measure maybe twice or something and you really see okay is the is the concentration uh, consistent or do we have a little bit increase so that's the pretty 
old school and a pretty um, yeah it takes a lot of time the the classic maximum lactate steady state will will um, be in this kind of range you just riding like an like an FTP test or something and measure every five minutes is the concentration in blood consistent or do we have a rise mm -hmm. so that's the that's the upper lactate threshold so to say it's right. not it's not the first lactate rise where we where we really see matches the production the maximum of um, of uh, buffering capacity of using lactate as a fuel do we have a, uh, the the maximum lactate steady state is the the border between the the zone three the mid-range and yep. the the upper when we get into zone um Yeah, four or five. Then in, in the before before we get up there, yeah. I, I still I still have some questions about this the the first uh, that first turn point. So yeah. let's say you let's say we're, we're sticking with lactate for the you know the purpose of this example. So you've uh, you've taken your samples, you've done the test. Uh, you, let's say you're looking at that first ventilatory threshold or the first uh, lactate turn point LT1 VT1. Um, you've done your samples, and then you're you know you've plotted the numbers in Excel. Uh, I know there's some online calculators that exist that are some of them are, are supposed to be quite good but let's say you, you're do it, doing it yourself you plot it in excel what are you looking for are you looking at specific lactate value or are you looking at uh, an, a specific increase from baseline what's your what's your trigger yeah um both i would say so okay. Okay. They, they, it um i do some some uh training testing with some ironman or long distance triathlon guys they are riding at ironman pace Mm -hmm. or something like that and i want to see a drop in lactate values over the uh, over the build phase so when you when we say okay we are aiming for to be efficient at 250 270 watts so what what does a higher uh, lactate value oh, means is, is it's it's always that we are using much more carbohydrates to uh, produce that amount of energy so yeah. when we when we see or that you can see in When you get a really um, athlete with a with a with a big background and big base miles over years, you maybe see a drop of the of the plateau. So um, the plateau when we when we start increasing from from zero or from from nearly zero. So then we when we see the the plateau uh, occurs on. 0.8 or 0.7 or if if somebody with the diabetes or with a metabolic syndrome they they come with a resting lactate and there's no plateau at all and they started at uh, 1.5 or something yeah. but the level of the plateau and the level of lactate values can be like a hint of how much carbohydrates you are using so mm. and and it's hard to compare Uh, for different athletes because no, normally I would say you want to train when you're going to, to zone two intervals, you try to be close but under this first lactate rise. That mm -hmm. would be the, the, where the, the, uh, the intensity where you are burning the most of fat, you are super efficient, you are, uh, have a good trigger on your aerobic system That's the magic zone two intensity. Mm -hmm. So let me let me ask you this. So now, um, 
you know, when uh, when you were first talking about people sitting on a couch and that being a stimulus and training that being a stimulus, and this is, you know, I, I'm going to reference our mutual friend Bjorn again. It's like he he always tells me when I talk to him is like when you do something, something will happen, right? And that's yeah. like, yeah, no matter what you do, you're gonna you're gonna something's gonna change, yeah. which I think is spot on. So uh, if we're, let's let's spend a bit of time talking about training and specifically zone two training, um, is it important to then? over time, increase the duration in zone two, because obviously you're capped at a certain intensity. So then how do you pr- continuously provide a stimulus to the body um, in in order to, uh, you know, in order to see an effect, in order to see a change? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's the that's the down point in this kind of, of uh, zone two training. Volume yeah. is a big trigger. So you are limited yeah. in intensity. And uh, the way you are going to improve the stimulus is um to increase volume so yeah that's the that's the thing but on the other hand um the old school thing i have got teach when i was uh 13 or 15 years old was that fat metabolism and zone two training or this base training uh just occurs when you are minimum 60 90 minutes on a bike and that's totally not true um i would say um it comes a little bit to play which kind of fueling or um, which kind of uh, of breakfast or mm-hmm. lunch do you have uh, in in combination and how much time is in between, but uh, when you are before breakfast or something, the fat metabolism goes up after one or two minutes. So it's mm-hmm. maybe directly after. So there's no uh, no need to just do the the really long endurance ride in this zone. I often combine it like a, like a morning activation or something and do maybe, especially in triathlon, later on in the day, um, a second workout with higher intensity or with a different trigger. But this regular stimulus in this zone two, just increasing the volume per session or the volume per week, mm-hmm. um, it's, a, it's a pretty good way. And on the long term, you can also increase the intensity a bit. Mm-hmm. Because so. ideally, as you were saying that, that, you know, if if your training is working, your absolute, you know, let's say power, if we're talking about the bike at the upper range of zone two should be going up, right? Like that's yeah. the whole point. If you're a long endurance athlete, that's that's what you're looking for, right? Yeah. And you can see it when we come down of how to measure it or how to get a feeling for that is uh, one thing that I really like to is like have a um, have a look on the heart rate. So I'm not the not a guy who's who's training uh, basically just on power or on pace because this yep. is like a like this uh, physiological energy output. Um, but what we want to have like a, a, um, a look inside the metabolism, and therefore heart rate is a um, um, is a parameter that responds your metabolism and your um, the 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 stress your body um, is on to produce that kind of, of energy. So 200 watts, 200 watts are 200 watts, no matter uh, up or down or six or seven or eight hours, but the amount or the stress for your body, for your metabolism to produce these 200 watts, that is not like a linear uh, graph that increases over time. And that's exactly what what, what I do like in 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 like a, in this kind of upper zone two testing in in field, you can try to force 
the athlete or the body like in this kind of cardiac drift where you can see a shift in in power to heart rate ratio when we see an increase in heart rate when the power outputs is the same mm -hmm. it can can be uh, you you overheat on the turbos or something like that that's one of them for sure that's the confounding factor for heart rate is that there's <laughs> it's not only metabolism that influences yeah it. that's that's the downside because it's so variable and sleep stress coffee all things get into it Oh yeah, illness or even your mindset when you really get like a like a dreaming of the next victory or something. It, it, <laughs> totally, it, it, totally, it, I know exactly it, what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I find too, uh, sorry to, to sorry to hijack, but like, so you know, we're in Canada. It's cold. I'm just starting to ride outside a little bit now, um, and I find that the first few rides I have outside, my power to heart rate is completely off, and it's because I think it's just like way more stimulation, and it's because you know I'm. I'm also in traffic because I live in a major city and there's just like more stress and more stuff I need to be paying attention yeah. to. So for the same for the same mechanical power output, right, my heart rate's way higher outside, but it, it, then it settles down. It's only like the first couple of rides, but it's yeah. to your point. There's a there's a few other factors. Yeah, of course. But but when you have like a little bit of uh, uh, standardization in this kind of testing, you really uh, should see like a difference how much power you can produce when we when we have like a fixed heart rate ratio and, and i use always like a percentage of maximum heart rate okay. um, yeah. or even like heart rate reserve the the range between your your resting heart rate and the maximum heart rate and therefore i set some some tests like uh, yeah Normally, maybe the, the, the upper side of this magic zone two for a pretty good endurance athlete is something around 80 or a little bit below 80 percentage of your maximum heart rate. Okay. So, um, and that's that, that kind of what I sometimes do as heart rate validation test or zone two validation test. I set up a pretty boring, but and sometimes a little bit brutal set. So you write two times. 45 minutes with a pretty consistent pace and try to not go over this kind of heart rate value I set up for you. Mm -hmm. So, and then we see is the, is the, the amount of the power output and the heart rate ratio is completely um, flat or do we see like a little bit increase? And when we see an increase in heart rate, the, 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 um, the target is or the, the the task is to reduce the the power output so that mm -hmm. the heart rate is the limiter um, and then we see like a little bit you have to take it a little bit easier in the in the last 10 minutes or something to not reach overreach the the target mm -hmm. and this is again provided you're you're sufficiently hydrated and not overheated of course yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah. because of course, of course uh, that'll also drive heart rate in a big way yeah that's uh, exactly the thing yeah that's the that's the the hard part to deal with heart rate but it's really nice to have it because even when you also when we the the other thing it comes into play so we have the heart rate we have the power output mm -hmm. or the pace um, and then it comes to the rpe so the rate of perceived expert exertion exertion so um and that's uh the, the the three things I want to keep in mind, especially when it when it comes down to 
high intensity training or no to every kind of training but also in 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 zone two training so when you feel like it's super hard but your heart rate's not coming up to the to the to the target value or something but mm -hmm. the power output is already there it also can be a sign that you are really fatigued maybe in the last uh two days in, in, in training camp or something, you see that the heart rate doesn't respond uh, on the, on the, at the normal level. So mm -hmm. you're a little bit um, reduced in, 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 yeah, in, in heart rate. So, and therefore it's like a little bit, some guys are think, wow, nice. My heart rate is so low, but they are <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they feel um, like garbage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really like, yeah. I really like the fact that you, you brought RPE into it because I think um, it's really interesting how, you know, in my in my own little window on this world, I'm seeing uh, even the even though the proliferation and the the ad, the adoption of all of this technology and really very um, objective focused training and objective focused testing is is higher than I've ever seen it before. That pretty much any coach who is who is who I respect uh, really pays attention to RPE because it tells us so much that this that that our bodies especially again for for mature athletes um, our bodies are so well tuned that we should be we really should be paying attention to that feedback and that sometimes can can provide more context or more more information to you the athlete or to to your coach yeah. than than power or even heart power and heart rate together so yeah the the, the three components that makes a ton of sense to me um before we go up in our intensity, uh, I have another question, another training question for you, Maximilian. So let's say I am, and this is me to a T, uh, a very time restricted athlete, and my my goal is, you know, to improve my, you know, my aerobic endurance, my my fat max power, because I want to do a longer race at some point in time, uh, but I can only train, I don't know, eight hours a week. Uh, and uh, we talked about how uh, obviously volume is a big trigger for um, uh, for adaptations in that zone. What would your advice be to somebody like me? Yeah, um, yeah, it's it, it's a little bit depends on on what uh, or how does your training looked in the past. So I always have a good dose of zone two in it. So I, I probably never uh, skip it on on total. And mm -hmm. I truly believe that this kind of, of trigger, when you combine it, like maybe what I do is like pretty, pretty classic, I would say. So we have like a hard uh, session, maybe threshold or maybe VO2 max on Wednesday evening or on Tuesday evening. Mm -hmm. And then we combine it with a, with a low intensity zone two fat max effort on the next morning. So maybe mm. you're not fully recovered. Your your storage of glycogen is not up to 100%. Maybe we do it before breakfast with mm -hmm. a little bit of restriction in time. So I don't want to anybody uh, to go out for three, four hours ride before breakfast <laughs> without any fueling. So oh, that's brutal. That sounds yeah, terrible. <laughs> that, that's that's. But it, some guys are doing this. So yeah. But but I think there's there's a a good downside, especially mm -hmm. uh, when we when we're talking about females. It's a little bit more complex and a little bit more complicated. So I'm I'm pretty. Um, conservative of of introducing um low carb or even before breakfast training so i want to choose the 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 standard rule is like when before breakfast just 
zone two, nothing, nothing more intense because then you're using or you need much more uh, carbohydrates. And when they are not available, it's a negative kind of stress for your body. And sure. really there's like studies out there where we see that the cortisol and stress uh, hormones and stuff get really up and that that is not that kind of trigger we wanted. So when before breakfast, just zone two, but you can combine the, or maybe have two hours or three hours between the last meal or the lunch and then zone two training. So that's something I also recommend uh, with, with the RPE scale. When you have like a, a hard set in, in your training plan, but you are feeling not good or you are all well, already tired from the day because you have stress at work or with the family or something like that, then I also skip uh, to the FATMAX session because mm -hmm. that is kind of, of workouts. I really feel when where I can use my or reduce my stress level and get it into like get into a better mood and feeling better afterwards. But sure. sometimes the energy level is so low that it's super hard and super annoying to do another hard workout so sometimes it's good because when you feel after the first set okay i i i just were, were get into it and it feels okay but also um the the the, the feeling is quite important when you really feel there are some days when you really can feel okay this is not good And then I would I would uh, reduce the intensity. So sometimes I, I did it myself. So the night the the day after I feel sick or something, and I I when I will be honest to myself, I I, I just feel it while training that I can do this kind of workout because I have done it the the week before or something. Mm -hmm. But my body quite uh, significant tells me that that's not the day to do like VO2 max efforts or something. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all been there. Like anyone who's listening, who's, who's trained before, you know, sometimes you, you know, you feel like you can rip the legs off the, uh, off your workout. Like you can really, you can really smash it. And other days you, you feel like a t completely different human being where objectively the power is the power. Um, and, uh, I, I couldn't agree more with your, uh, with your prescription there that it, it pays it, uh, it makes a lot of sense to pay attention to how you feel on the day and then, and let's let that drive some of the, some of the decision-making around the training intensity. Um, so let's, uh, as, I, as I intimated earlier, let's move up the intensity scale. We've talked quite a bit about zone two and training around or just below that first um, lactate turn point. Um, and now we're into, I guess we're into zone three or zone two. If we're thinking of the, the three zone model, we'd be in, in the middle zone or zone three if we're talking about the five zone model. Um, what's, the, uh, what are, what, what's the upper bound of that um, and how do you measure it? And uh, yeah, hello, uh, well, let's start there. Yeah. So um, there's like the, the border between three and four is like a little bit comes down to, to definition. So now mm -hmm. we get into this, sure. uh, into this thing what, what, where there's a ton of definitions out there, FTP, CP, lactate threshold, LT2, ventilator threshold 2, <laughs> something like that. So I... MLSS. <laughs> yeah. So, so I would say to, to have a little bit uh, easy um, introduction into this kind of um, threshold area is like this is kind of range where the most of people, the, the new ones we were talking about earlier, where mm -hmm. 
are pretty comfortable to work out in. So it's like you're feeling the effort. You are not totally in the red. You can hold it for longer. That's now we come to to this kind of threshold. Mm -hmm. So and then um, the the thing is, I think the 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 first threshold that occurs when we do like a lactate test or something is like the max last steady state. So maximum lactate steady state would be, in my opinion, or in my experience, maybe like a little bit of the the, um, the upper uh, range of thresholds when we when we talk about a, a few of them. So mm -hmm. um, we are using still more and more oxygen, but at the same time, we recruit more and more um to A fibers and okay. need more and more anaerobic energy to produce the or uh, to to fit the energy demands. So this is kind of of mixed terrain, and that's the crucial point when it comes more and more to anaerobic uh, metabolism. We the um, the combustion of carbohydrates goes up really fast and really mm -hmm. high. So and then we have this magic point where the production of lactate equals the amount that we can handle and we can um, yeah, um, really turn over into energy or can buffer. Mm -hmm. um, so we have like a, a intensity where we can hold for a longer time. So and it can be 20 minutes for FTP test, but it can also be um, like a, a longer duration, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, up to an hour, maybe. That mm -hmm. is what what yep. we, what I would say is metabolic speaking, the, the lactate threshold where we have the maximum lactate steady state. So, and um, when we come to, to critical power or to FTP testing, it's a little bit above or normally a little bit above, right. depending on your physiology and your metabolic uh, profile it's a little bit above this kind of thing what you can hold for for 20 minutes or for for 30 minutes mm -hmm. so yeah so why 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 is uh this i'll ask you the same question that i asked about the first uh the first threshold the first turn point um what what does it tell us to know where this point occurs in our you know in terms of intensity uh let's say if we're sticking to the bike in terms of in terms of power what does it tell us and how do, how can we use it in training so this is like, um, yeah, you, this kind of threshold you, you really feel and you can test it without any metabolic uh, card or with, with lactate testing. You can just go out for a long time trial or a longer time trial or riding up a, um, a longer hill. That's just kind of what you, when you are running, what you try to do with the 10K testing or something mm -hmm. like that, something around an, an, an hour or something. But this kind of, I, I really, I, it's hard to to use because there are so many definitions and so many <laughs> uh, different concepts to try to to get to this point. So but let's the, pick one. So yeah. I, I'm going to encourage you to pick one and that you think is the most useful in your practice. So yeah. um, I, I totally get what you're saying, but if we can if we can land on one and then you can tell us how how you use that specific one and how you arrive at it through testing, I think let's yeah that probably is going to be the most useful to our listeners. Yeah, um, probably I would choose because of the 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 metabolic responses the the maximum lactate steady state. Okay, I would say great. so. That's that's the point. Um, 
below this kind of threshold but level one 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 thought uh, to the to the many concept the good thing is that this kind of threshold is not a, a small line where you are under or over so mm -hmm. it's like a it's like more like an area so and and mm. i think that's when you have this kind of of idea um, or image then it makes a little bit more sense that there are so many definitions and so many Uh, ways to try to to get there so, and there's also uh, an, an, an upper end and a lower end and a, maybe mm -hmm. a target value so that's kind of i like to work with threshold so when i when we just do like classic maybe uh three times eight minutes threshold we can it a little bit above maximum like that steady state and it's totally fine and we are have a really good stimulus and try to um, increase the time you can stay there. So mm -hmm. the the stunima or something like that. The the, the time, yeah. the amount of of the, uh, the time to exhaustion. Yeah, on this kind of edge, that is what you want to increase in 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 for a long time trial or something. You will want we you want a, a good base, and then you try to to get the this threshold, however you define it, as high as possible because that is like the the. Um, the power you can hold for 45, 50 minutes or something. Mm -hmm. And it's more like an area than like a hard border with just you are 10 watts below or 10 watts above and then you totally go uh, explode or something. So it's more like an area, I would say, in my, in my perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, how do you how do you arrive at this at this range? Other than uh, you know, you you I think you, you sort of you sort of hinted at it, or when you you talked about it when when doing like a, a field test of doing a uh, uh, of doing a hard a really hard maximal effort for the for roughly the duration. Um, any lab based lab based tests that you like? Um, yeah, that's uh, there's a, a, a lot of. Um um models to to calculate them mm -hmm. um i don't like um the the classic ones who just measure lactate in the in the classical step test or something and then you have to choose one model to to have a to trust in the model and to calculate it so um yeah especially maybe in germany or in in the 90s there were so many concepts to to try like the 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 fixed four millimole, for example, or we have a, like the first lactate rise plus another 1.5 millimole. That's maybe the individual uh, lactate threshold. Um, nowadays, you can really measure the, the, um, the capacity or the, the, then it comes to, to lactate building rate, maybe, for example, how fast or how much lactate you produce and how much um, you can use for as fuel and when it comes to this uh, steady state. So, and another thing and a pretty simple thing I do in, 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 in the lab to, to get an idea where this threshold is, when we had a, um, a REM test to exhaustion, mm -hmm. so we really have pretty high lactate values. So when we, like an endurance athlete, finish a RAM test around maybe 12 or 10 or 13 minimal of lactate. So we have a huge amount of lactate available in the blood for the get used as a fuel in, in the system. And then we have like a little 
that's like an add-on test in my in my lab testing. It's I call it or we call it lactate minimum test. That's exactly one thing that I do with Bora is we have this huge amount of lactate availability. And then we have a, a good hint because of the RAM test before and because we know the, the athlete, where should be the maximum lactate steady state. Mm-hmm. So and when we and then I do another short, maybe 10 or 12 mini, uh, a minute um, step test in this kind of range of your threshold where I mm. expect threshold. So and what we do is what in, meta, in, in metabolic terms is we, we test your metabolism. Can you use for more lactate than you produce again? When we said, for example, we had a 300 watt threshold expected around 300 watt. Mm-hmm. And then we start something around 220 or 230 watts. So and then we see like a drop in lactate because the aerobic system is working. Mm-hmm. The, the production of lactate is, is not that high because it's totally in the in the green or in the mid-range, mm-hmm. um, maybe somewhere around fat max because there's the drop uh, at its biggest. So you can use the, 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 the biggest amount of lactate in a, as fuel in the slow-twitch fibers. But then we increase slowly but steady up to our expected threshold. Um, and then we... we what we're doing is we test your body. Can you still reduce the amount of lactate or mm. do we equal the production level? So the, the crucial point is we have to really be a little bit picky because when the lactate levels drop too much um, about uh, under threshold leveling and, and absolutely values, then we have a little bit of problem because we came from the downside. We want to came from the the you upper come, side. Come from okay, uh, I yeah, see. and then and then it's like a um, like a, like a curve that excuse because when we reach the the threshold, there's the maximum lactate steady state, and there we don't have any changes. So we reduce from from twelve to ten to eight to six, and then we got stuck by five point five millimole. And when we increase a little bit of max over max less. So maybe 200, 310 watts or 320 watts, we see maybe no um, uh, no change in values, or mm. we can we we have a little bit of increase, and we see when we see an increase, then we can stop because then we 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 over max less or maximum lactate steady state, mm-hmm. and this is without any formula, without any uh, mm. mathematics, you can calculate the deepest point in the curve, of course. Um, but this is like how I have like a like a validation test for threshold. I do. That's great. That's a, I've never heard of that test, and that sounds that sounds super interesting. But you're you're you have to be careful to make sure that it doesn't undershoot the uh, the MLSS value. So then how? So then are those are those steps quite short then? The um, uh, in the in the minimum lactate test? Yeah, uh, two to three minutes. So okay. I sometimes I I test it twice, and when I when I see okay now we are pretty in this point. So mm-hmm. I see the athlete, or I speak with the athlete. So we do testing twice, or even hold the state. You can you can use it as a as a whole. Um, it's a little bit steady state effort and, and check. Um, but um, yeah, it's like a, it's practical science. So it's a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a little squishy. 
Yeah, of course. But but it's like a validation. Normally, you um, nowadays, what, what we want when somebody came in our lab, we want to have a, a full metabolic profile. So we mm -hmm. have the, the uh, VLMX, we have the VO2 max, and therefore you can calculate the, the max less, the, the threshold. Mm -hmm. So it's like, a, it, a, I don't know how to say, it. so it's a sense of three or something. So these kind of define each other. So when we, when we measure two of them, we can calculate the third um, value. So, and this is like a, like a validation of, of this calculation. So, mm, yeah. Okay, okay. Very interesting, yeah. Uh, so, Maximilian, you talked about wanting to increase your your time to exhaustion at uh, at around threshold. So that's that's the style of training you might be doing once you once you establish this value. Um, what are some of your approaches in doing that? What sort of uh, workouts or protocols would you assign? We do some sweet spot intervals, so on the on the lower edge on on this kind of threshold area, so on the on the border from from zone three to four. Mm -hmm. So uh, and do it also a little bit longer than just the, the the typical threshold efforts. You also can do like over unders or get a little bit tipped into the the mid range of threshold and then a little bit. Um, under threshold and then uh, increase the amount of time mm -hmm. and also a good way in my opinion to um yeah get a little bit more because what but what, what we want to do is like exactly that we want to have a trigger on the two a fibers mm -hmm. and make them more endure so make them uh, more yeah. like in endurance fibers because we want not that much lactate production we want a little bit more a shift to from carbohydrates to to fat max also to 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 fat metabolism we we uh, that's uh, yeah how i try to get the athletes more in a more uh, economic for long distance triathlon or something so mm -hmm. and therefore it's like the the really low cadence work comes into play mm. why low cadence yeah because it's it's uh, um, when we when we think in the in this uh, in this fiber types. That's exactly what we what we use in this kind of low cadence work. We we have a, a intensity in terms of flux rate, how much energy per time we are using. That mm -hmm. is pretty consistent. That is pretty okay and handleable. So it's not like an all out effort or. Uh, and when we come to RPE, eight or nine out of 10. So we still around maybe six or seven uh, on the upper side. Mm -hmm. But what we are using here is like, a, like a, uh, the, the, the thing that when we reduce the cadence, we need much, uh, a little bit more force each pedal stroke. And sure. this shift in, in force is shifting also we we recruit more of the of the two a fibers or even the two x fibers depending on the intensity we are doing this sometimes i do even fat max intervals with low cadence so just to to recruit a little bit more of the uh, fast switch fibers and then tell them or trigger them to get more in uh, like in, in an endurance way so i don't do low cadence just for a minute or something. So we're doing this for two times 10, three times mm -hmm. 10, 20, mm -hmm. 10 or something. We, we are playing with this in, in times of intensity 
above threshold in a in a in a in a intensity where you really are stable and yeah maybe you can hold it for 20 or 30 minutes and then we're spending time in this kind of range but forcing this kind of shift into the into the fast switch fibers because we are uh, reducing the cadence and shift to more force per per pedal stroke. That makes that makes perfect sense. I, that's a really nice way of explaining it. Um, of of why low cadence is is prescribed because I think most coaches do prescribe low cadence in that sweet spot zone or slightly below or slightly above. But uh, it's uh, you know I think a lot of folks have don't have a full understanding of what the what the mechanism behind it is. The what's what what the why is there. So uh, the last thing I want to talk to you about, Maximilian, and uh, I'm actually really encouraged that I think we're going to be able to um, fit this whole conversation that I thought was going to be tremendous. And of course, we can spend so much more time talking about any of these individual topics. But uh, uh, the last thing I want to do is uh, ask you, um, what in your opinion does uh, work above, like clearly above this, uh, let's say MLSS um, have for endurance athletes? And I mean, the kind of the obvious question would be, look, if my 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 race is let's say I'm an Ironman athlete, and even if I'm a very fit Ironman athlete, I might be, uh, you know, I might be cycling at upwards of eighty percent of my MLSS, maybe slightly higher if I'm super super fast, one of the elite males. Um, why do I want to work above MLSS uh, in in training? What's you know the specificity isn't necessarily there, but what's the what's what what sort of fitness adaptations am I chasing there? Yeah. So first of all, the 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 clear thing is like the. The VO2 max range is above this uh, this max less um, intensity, so yeah, we we have like uh, where when we reach or when we want to train uh, VO2 max, and that's this kind of a long time development we always wanted to to have a bigger aerobic capacity, a bigger aerobic engine, mm -hmm. because this enables us to to get uh, to use more fatty acids as fuel to have a bigger base to to reach uh, or to to increase the 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 max less intensity the threshold intensity so we want to increase VO2 max and one of the things we um we we want to do above threshold is to have a clearly and really good trigger on VO2 max there are several studies that that are showing that the a pretty good or even the best trigger on on VO2 max development is when we reach 90 to 95 percent of our maximum uh, up oxygen uptake mm -hmm. so and uh, therefore we come it comes to down to these uh, hit interval sessions or uh, the yeah um, starting with 30 30s 30 15s uh, 40 20s and then that's uh, the thing um this kind of uh, thing I, I i get more and more into longer hit interval sessions because there are a lot of um yeah get more studies that are the 30 30s especially you you when you're doing this as a pretty fit athlete it's hard to get your heart rate really high so yep. and there's a little bit of a good totally agree with you there yeah <laughs> a, a, a good com combine when you when you combine the vo2 uptake and the heart rate so therefore i'm using heart rate as well so when you want to go above 90 percent of uh, of your heart rate max something and you want to 
to spend time there. And there are so many ways to increase this amount of time that you are spending there. And there are a lot of uh, good um, studies from, from Veronique Bilat or something that are showing um, like a hard start interval, something yes. you, you really go into 60 or 90 seconds at the, in the, in this VO2 max range and push the heart rate up there. And then you try to just hold it and you can reduce your, your power output, even maybe to down to threshold or a little bit above threshold mm -hmm. and spend time there. And you, you, maybe you can imagine your heart rate will not come down. And also I've done this on, on a, on the tour bus with a, with a mask on yeah. the, the heart rate stays uh, and, and the heart rate stays there. And also the oxygen uptake stays there. And then you, so are you, are, you are getting into a position where you can, uh, three time, eight minutes, something like this with a, with a, with a 90% or 92% of your maximum, uh, oxygen uptake. I, I really like those. I, uh, I've, uh, I've, I've had this conversation with Bjorn so many times, like we're, yeah. we're, we're just going back and forth. I'm like, okay, what, what else can we try for, for VO2 max? Like this person is not, you know, I can't drive heart rate. You know, I'm, I'm seeing peripheral fatigue way before I'm getting like central fatigue. So like, you know, listeners, you've heard me talk about this stuff a million times, but basically like my legs will, will, will fail before I, before I hit a, a you know, a useful heart rate or a useful, like, you know, let's say even ventilatory rate. Um, but these uh, these fast starts are, are I was going to say delightful. They're not at all delightful. They're not that much fun <laughs> to do, but they are. I find them very effective. I've uh, I've experimented on myself and on a few of the folks that I coach that are a little bit fitter. Um, they're excellent at driving very high heart rates. And and to your point, if you're looking at um, you know, if we're, if we're looking at the dose response, right? Like the amount of, the amount of time you spend, and this is something you said just a minute ago, Max, Maximilian, the amount of time you spend in that zone is really critical. I haven't found anything that's quite as, quite as effective as these fast starts, um, on, on driving this sometimes, um, over unders like, uh, over unders where the overs are high and yeah. the unders are, you know, not, not very under like hard. I would just consider them very hard over unders. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had similar results, but yeah, the fast starts are, uh, plus one on that on that kind of training. Yeah, that comes when when it comes to to the metabolic profile of an athlete. When so when you have a, like an really like an endurance athlete with a low lactate building rate and uh, mm -hmm. and a little bit I I, I would say in in circumstances so a little bit poorer anaerobic metabolism, mm -hmm. it is much harder for them to produce. Um, this kind of hard uh, intervals, like in 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 a in a in a big amount of repeated print, uh, repeated sprintability, or terms of of mm -hmm. this kind of speaking, and then you have now uh, exactly that fact that you um, have uh, other factors that are limited you limited the the effort in this kind of interval session. So you are not limited by oxygen uptake. You're not limited. Uh, in, in terms of ventilatory um, capacity or something or by heart rate, um, it's more like producing this high amount of energy that quick that makes you struggle. So sometimes mm -hmm. you see uh, athletes do a little bit even long term, um, long distance triathletes to, to, to have a little bit of a sprint sprinting block before doing VO2 mm. max efforts just to, to, to get your metabolism in in the in this kind of range where you can do really good these efforts and you're really limited by oxygen uptake or by by breathing or by heart rate. 
Because that's what you're trying to drive in a in a VO2 in VO2 max block. Yeah. So here's a, here's a question for you that's that's very very niche and something that I've been thinking about um, quite a bit. Actually, well, I've been sick for like th- three weeks, so I haven't trained hard. But when I before that, I was I was thinking about this a lot. So um, I don't race very much because I have kids, uh, but I still you know training is still fun. Um, so I still primarily train for triathlon. Uh, but I have a tri bike and I have a road bike. So uh, most of the time I'm spending, you know, certainly all the fat max stuff and even the threshold work. I'm all, you know, you know on the skis in, in the aero position because I, I, I do believe that's super important to train in that specif- specific yeah, position. Of course. When you're doing hard stuff, when you're doing VO2 max, are you training it in the air, in, in aero or are you training sitting up? And here's, here's, here, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll share my experience with you on the, um, on the road bike, um, I find that I can get my heart rate. Obviously, my numbers are a little bit higher, which makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Open hip angle, the breathing is a little bit better. The blood flow is probably a little bit better. Mm-hmm. That's why we're getting higher power numbers, even though I'm fairly well adapted to the aero position. So I know my power numbers are going to be higher. But what I'm finding is on the road bike, I can also drive the heart rate significantly higher than mm-hmm. I can in the TT position on my tri bike. So where would you land on that? Yeah, I think it it comes to play. What what kind of um, uh, distance triathlon do you do? It, mm. Are you when you're doing a long distance triathlon, you your your race pace is much below that kind of effort. Totally. So and when we're doing kind of this kind of uh, stuff from from developing VO2 max come to the to the final preparation in more specific in race pace, I totally agree with you that the amount of time Uh, in aero position is super important mm-hmm. and uh, i just got a, a an athlete on uh, in training camp who's just got his time trial bike with him so we, we 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 don't do vo2 max effort in this camp so we do like sweet spot threshold and 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 over distance endurance rides so spending five or six hours in this position just even make it a mental uh, mental aspect and a mental thing that you are able or you know you can ride 200Ks comfortably in, in this position and building up the, the upper body strength to do it. So, but when we have like a, uh, like a VO2 max block, maybe in December or, or in January, so then I would maybe go with a, with a road bike But when we have a, like a, a short distance triathlon or even an Olympic where the intensity on the bike is really high, maybe mm-hmm. above threshold or around threshold, then it makes, makes totally sense to do these in, in aero position as well. So I really like the, the, this kind of B-Lab uh, hard start endeavors to, to teach or to try to teach athletes um, the, the time trial pacing. So when you go down the ramp, even when in the in the short prologue with the road bikers or something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um, you you really it's like a, a you're riding on the edge what you can hold before you blow up. So I, that's exactly what I kind of experienced these things <laughs> uh, these endeavors. So and this kind of 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 trigger is also I think a pretty good one to 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 get a better um, understanding or feeling for intensity in at race pace. So how hard can I start? How long can I sprint in the beginning or out of times? How does it feel? And what kind of effort or how extra, how much can I uh, push down the pedal until I, I blow? So, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of, of 
make yeah, get the experience for for this one as well so I like it. I really like that answer. I think that it makes it makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, it, it sort of lines up with what I was, what what my what my uh, priors were and what my personal experience was. So Maximilian, this has been super fun, and uh, and I think we are we were well overdue for a conversation like this. Uh, you know, t- we we touched a lot in this uh, in this you know eighty minute eighty five minute chat. Um, so I, first of all, I want to thank you for for taking the time uh, on a, on a holiday weekend and talking to me about this. And um, if uh, folks want to follow along or want to get in touch with you about coaching, what is the best way to do that? So uh, the easiest way maybe in our days is like Instagram or Twitter. You can find me as Maximilian Polite on Instagram or at Polite Coaching on Twitter. I also get a um, small website, polite-coaching.com, and you can write me an email with max at polite-coaching.com. Perfect. And uh, listeners, as always, uh, I will share all those links in our show notes. So get in touch with Maximilian if you have any questions. Yeah, of course. I'm looking forward. Perfect. Okay. And uh, listeners, for all of you, if you've learned something during this conversation, which I hope you have, uh, make sure to tell a friend, uh, give us a rating and a review on iTunes, uh, and also consider supporting us on Patreon. And that's patreon.com slash endurance innovation. Thanks, everyone.